0: Hello. Welcome to Persevere to Excel. This is Deo Moano. I am super excited for my interview today. Um, I actually have Judy Johnson with me and you guys are probably like, why are you smiling? Why you, you sound so excited? Uh, Miss Johnson used to be my marketing teacher in high school, and I brought her into the podcast virtually today to um to talk about the importance of having alliances, right? Building alliances and having uh people on your side, and, and in this setting. This was my teacher, right? The importance of having um, alliances and especially knowing in today's world with remote learning and virtual learning and all that different stuff happening. It's making it harder and harder for students to have those authentic connections with their teachers. So um, as I do my last interview of 2020, what a crazy year. I'm super pumped to have uh, Judy Johnson with me today. I am. So excited to have you on my podcast today. Um, I- I'm still having a hard time figuring out, do I call you Judy or do I call you Miss Johnson? Like I'm so used to calling you Miss Johnson for so long. H- how are you doing? How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. I'm very good. You can call me Judy. Um, <laughs> I used to always like it when students called me Judy because I always found that Miss J was so formal and I wanted kids to be able to deal with adults. So I always wanted them to call me Judy, but you can call me Judy now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Miss J, I, I, I'm, I just have to kind of reflect on like how I became aware of your existence in, in high school, right? Um, it was my, I believe it was my sophomore year. I had a lot of friends that were upperclassmen that took your class and they used to always talk about your class. And another thing is, I think you actually like became aware of me because of all the dancing that I used to do in the assemblies and a prep rally. And I think one time I was talking to somebody and somebody ended up introducing me to you and they're like, Oh, this is our marketing teacher. And at that point, like, I was like, I started to show some curiosity on wanting to join your class. And then eventually I ended up in your class. I ended up in your, your, your marketing one-on-one. I think that's what it was called or something like that. um, In your marketing class at um, Manchester Memorial high school, where I, I went to school. And at the time, uh, Memorial was a fairly large school. I think there was probably over 20, 2,100 students at the time. Um, Ms. J, tell, tell us, tell my listener a little bit about, about who you are and um, how, how'd you end up in teaching?
1: Well, it's a long story. Um, I worked in corporate training and development after I, I graduated from high school and I really loved, I learned that I loved teaching, um, but working at a corporate level, I did a lot of traveling You know, I worked 60 hours a week, um, stayed at, you know, a lot of hotels. Um, So when I met my husband and we ended up starting a family, I knew that I couldn't continue that job. So we moved back to New Hampshire from New York and my husband was a builder. So I went to school to get my real estate license to keep the money in the family because I'm not a dumb bunny. (laughs) (laughs) I bought the land. He built the houses. And it was doable, you know, while raising my two small children. But then the market tanked, and um, so you know, one of us needed a real job, which with had benefits, and because um, we didn't have any benefits at the time. So I decided, why look into teaching? And um, I went to uh, Southern New Hampshire University and met with my uh, the most amazing teacher I ever had in my life, Dr. Kalisky, and um, he. He said, I, you know, that I could go to graduate school and get my teaching certification, which I did. Um, And then I was lucky enough to start teaching at Newport High School in Newport, New Hampshire for three years. Um, And then I went to Manchester School of Technology. And then I always knew I wanted to end my career at a comprehensive high school. And luckily Memorial opened up for me. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's how I ended up in teaching, and I didn't expect to stay in teaching for 26 years. My goal was 10 years, um, but I loved it so much, I I didn't want to leave.
0: Why was your goal only 10 years?
1: Because I wanted to be able to be part of my kids' lives, but I knew. I mean, I love I love business. I love you know that was my major in college. It was business administration and um i love being in business i loved it when my husband and i ran our real estate development company um so my goal was to always to go back to work um but i just learned i loved teaching it was just it was fun (laughs) (laughs) it was a fun job
0: you got hooked once you once you got in there and you found your flow um you you, you just you just stuck around
1: i did and you know it was um it was the kids making connections with kids. And, um, you know, I, the the favorite part for me in teaching is when um, the students would be sitting in class and they're all going like, wow, like, you know, cause I, I, when I saw the amazement in their eyes, that was a really good day for me. I knew that, you know, that was always what I was looking for. I wanted to, open up everyone's eyes to, um, you know, the world of business and marketing, as well as life.
0: That's great. That's thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm curious, did you, you know, once you started teaching for a while, were you ever, uh, you know, poached to teach other subject other than uh, business and marketing? Or did you say, hey, listen, I'm this is my forte. This is where I want to stay at.
1: Well, when I started teaching, I taught mainly business classes, um, but I really wanted to teach marketing because I loved the marketing platform. I loved what I knew I could do with students in marketing and to bring out the creativity and having um, the Association of uh, High School Students, which is DECA, as a... as a, Another avenue for me to engage kids in learning about how businesses run and how they could get involved in business. Um, which, um, so yeah, my goal was to always enter up. Is was to always uh, be in marketing, but I also loved management too. Um, so I liked those higher level classes that I taught. I didn't enjoy teaching computers because I'm not a good computer student. Because I'm always 10, 10 steps ahead and keyboarding. I always used to call it keyboarding. I just, I don't understand that. Um, So yeah, my goal was always to teach marketing and management, which that's what I ended with. Yeah.
0: That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I I do want to give a little context of uh, how I ended up in your class. And, and you know, the school, the school at the time was, it was a fairly large school and there's so many different options. And um, I do have to say that part of my experience at Memorial, there was always, you know, th- th- there was a couple of teachers that that, that helped kind of redirect me. Uh, for middle school, I went to a small uh, private Catholic middle school. And so when I ended up in Memorial, it was a, you know, a fairly large uh, public school. But one of the things that happened my freshman year, I think it actually kind of changed a little bit of my trajectory when I thought about what possibility you know that were presented for me as a learner um i was always i always felt like i was like a driven learner whatever it is but i the grades never reflected the type of you know passion that i had around learning um so uh, i had a social study class and at the at the time it was miss Monahan who was the teacher it was a level two classes so for my listeners there was different levels you know there's one two three four and honors and um I think it was like, I only lasted, I think the first like week and a half, she pulled me aside and she said, Dale, like, like you're like, this content seems to be very easy for you. Like you should move up to my level three class. I actually have a level three class around this day and this time you should move on to, you should move up to that class. And that was within a week and a half of my freshman year. So I ended up moving to her level three class. But the thing was in her social, her social study class like politics and history was always a thing. Like that was always like my thing. So the fact that like she, she reached out and she saw something in me early on to be like, Hey, you can't, this level two is going to be so super easy for you. Um, so it started to make me like that experience, like informed a lot of my pathway in terms of what I thought it was possible for me to engage with because the marketing classes and business classes were not part of like the regular schedule of the requirement. So, Like when I started to think that it's actually a possibility for me to take your class right away, I wasn't afraid to say, yeah, I want to take a marketing class. Like because because of those early experiences that I had early on um, where, you know, that she Miss Monaghan kind of sought me out. And then when I got into your class, it just it just felt it felt very different for me. Like it, it felt it just it felt relevant right like I remember like you know we went through the four p's and and but but the other aspect of it too was the fact that like the second semester you get to work in the school store you know so you're like you're you're you felt included right like being able to run the school store like for a period like that felt like it felt different than your traditional like being in the classroom so I really liked that project based to it where it felt tangible and it felt Relevant, like I, I remember, even case studies that you would give us to look at, depending on different companies and businesses that was that were around at the time, like it just it felt real, it felt current, and um and even even though I wasn't like the best the best student in your class grade wise, I still felt more engaged in the experience that I had in your classroom. Um, so I'm curious from you, like, is that something that you 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 try to make sure that you implemented a classroom that felt that was current and where students can feel, can find, you know, relevancy in there, or is it just like part of the normal design of the way the class was?
1: No, when I was in graduate school with, and I had that professor, Dr. Kalisky, who, again, I have to tell you, he was um, the most amazing teacher I ever had in my life because he made me think I was smarter than I even was. Mm. <laughs> that was my goal with every single student. Um, Cause I learned that from him, but, he, he said one day, um, what is the one thing you remember most about high school? Um, and I, the one thing I remembered most was doing a project on the Shakers, which is a religious sect up in Canterbury. And to, me and two of my friends actually hiked school, uh, skipped school. <laughs> we went, we went, went to the Shakers for, village? Yeah. 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 No, no, no. Dude, we went up to Shaker village. Yeah. In Canterbury. And we met like the last two living uh, Shaker women and they brought us all around. We had no appointment, you know, nothing. We just went up because that's what we, that's how we were. And, um, and I remember writing the the report and it was just so impactful for me. I mean, nothing else I remembered. I didn't remember anything in chemistry class, anything in math class, you know, nothing. I remembered that project in U S history. And, um, so I knew then and there I wanted to be a project-based teacher because I knew that students would, re- if they did it, they would remember it. If they did the research, they, you know, wrote it up, it would be something they would always remember. So I knew along, you know, even before I started teaching, I wanted to be a project-based teacher because that was, uh, you know, it was, it, it was an all-encompassing way of learning, you know, doing hands-on.
0: Well, I, I just I just want to tell you, like, like it it was it was 100 percent like that was the experience. Like I, I, I could even recall, like in terms of how I perceived your class, like there was always like a separation, like the one it was like, almost like right in the middle. There was the content, right? Like what you studied and what. But the hands on stuff was a completely different experience because I, I like I was like, man, this is. This is awesome like it, it even like minimized some of the complexity that were presented in some of the content that you were teaching because we all had a chance to be involved with it at at, at a different level and um and the other thing that I also want to ask was that your classrooms like your classes were super diverse like if, and, and and I want to reflect on this because even though you know, this, the high school was diverse to a certain extent, right? They had different people from different background, different, you know, they came from all over the world, but some core classes were still very much so segregated in terms of, you know, you know, if you really saw the melting pot of the high school in every class. And, 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 and unfortunately that wasn't really the case in all the classes. Right. And um, I can recall some of the classes that I had where most of the time I was the only person of color, but I, I, I do want to reflect that though. I do. I saw a lot of your class your classrooms were super diverse. Even the classroom that I was in, uh, we had students from Vietnam. We had students from um, from Haiti. Like we had students from all over diff- different places. So I'm yeah. curious from you, like would, is that something that, that transformed over time where your classroom started to become more and more diverse in terms of the type of student, the, t- the students who signed up to join your class? Or was that always, you know, w- were, your classroom, were your classes always a representation of the school body um, to a certain extent?
1: Well, you know, I don't really have any research to back any of that up. I wouldn't know. Um, I knew that my classes were engaging and my goal was to have learning fun because I always felt as though, you know, at some point in in every student's lives, they they really, they hate learning, you know, and I knew that that was important. So... um, I really always tried to let the kids be word of mouth about my class. I knew that I couldn't go out and because my mind was an elective. My right. Class- That's
0: what I was going to say. There were elective classes.
1: Uh, right. So they weren't required to take them. So as far as the diversity goes, um, I, I don't know, you know, what impact I had on that. Um, I, I loved having a diverse classroom because, uh, you know, i and that's what a lot of people don't realize. And well, I know people like me realize it, but in the city of Manchester, I'm only second generation here. Mm. Um, my grandparents came from Ireland um, and I could go through my whole neighborhood and, and I could tell you, you know, my, I have girlfriends whose grandparents came from Greece and Scotland and from Canada. Um, that I don't, you know, Manchester has always been diverse and I guess I grew up in a family where um diversity was celebrated you know Mm -hmm. we always had um you know my dad worked at a, a local uh manufacturing plant and i just remember him befriending this gentleman who came from puerto rico and um he and his family were were pretty you know poor and you know we would you know gather up stuff and we would help them out and he would bring his family over for dinner so i don't know I don't. I don't know if that was ever projected out, but um, I have no research to back up why my classes were diverse. But I loved it.
0: No, that's 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 awesome. That's awesome. And and for and for me being on the receiving end as a person of color, like I definitely like I I was aware of it. Like I was like, man, we, we have some diversity yeah. here. Um, the other question that I had for you was like, like the way that you showed up in your class, you you had a very like non-traditional approach in terms of like how you communicated with us like like you met us where we were but you also didn't take crap like you, you were messing around like nobody was gonna take advantage like like you put your foot down but like but at the same time you created a very um you created a very inclusive space where like You know, everybody, at least in my class, like I felt like everybody could engage for a certain level, like even even students that had like, you know, they had their own personality They give you. You know what I mean? Like they they weren't like, you know, some people might have marked them as like troublemakers, whatever. But we we all engaged. like we all were we were part of it like we and then I think a good representation of that, too. It's like when you started looking at like who decided to do DECA, like I think it was like almost like 85 percent of my entire class did DECA like and DECA is you know I'll let you explain that a little bit but so so the reason why I asked that is because like a lot of the work that I do now it's all about engagement right how do you maximize engagement but like as I as I was reflecting on that I'm like yeah like we like the setting that Miss Johnson put in place like she never like compromised her teaching or compromised who she was but she created a space that everybody engaged and even people went out of their way to join other extracurriculum that were included part of the class experience. And, and I'm just, I'm just fascinated by that. Like, how did you, how did you hone in your, like your, your technique as a, you know, uh, how do you direct your class and pull from your students and hold them accountable? That's the, the other thing I want to say. You held us accountable. You held us accountable. You even made us do pushups sometimes when we were late. You had the
1: option. You could either do detention <laughs> or pushups. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like giving options. Well, you know, I, um, I again, I have to go back to my neighborhood because in my neighborhood, um, I, I, I went to Catholic school until sixth grade, and um, I had ten girls live like two blocks away, and I didn't even know they were there because I went to public school. But um, I think I learned through meeting all of these friends, these girlfriends, that we are all different. We could all bring something to the table, and we had fun. And we're still having fun. You know, 50, 60 years later, we're still
0: that's we're awesome. Still
1: having fun. So I knew that um, I knew what neighborhoods were like in Manchester because I grew up right up the street from Memorial. Um, but I, I also know that one of the things that I struggled with as a, as a child was you know, if I did something wrong and I would get punished, I would be so upset because I didn't know the rules. You know, I didn't know you couldn't do that. So that was really important to me. So when I started teaching, I took all of those elements, and I, I think and I always spent the first couple of days, and I know that I scared the crap out of kids. <laughs> I told them that my class was hard, they were gonna have to work, I was gonna challenge them. Um, You know, and if you don't think you're up for the challenge, then you should probably go see your guidance counselor. Um, But I promise you, you're going to learn things that, you know, you looked at every day and didn't know why they were there. And um, but the other thing that I also was it was really important to me as a teacher was to meet my students as individuals, Mm. because I know that everybody has different gifts. Like Dale, I always knew. You were going to be something amazing because your aura. You might not have had the best grades, but there's all levels of intelligence. Um, And for those of you that want to know, my nickname for Dale was King Dale.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: My goal was to make sure these kids, the students, knew the rules. Um, So once they knew the rules, and if they broke them, there would be a consequence. And I learned from having children. Um, you know, if you have to go, you have to follow through with the consequence. Um, but I also knew some kids um, didn't have the home life that you know that you and I may have had, and I knew that because my mom was a school nurse at Memorial for ten years, and I remember her coming home crying and telling me stuff and she and I would be just amazed and mom I didn't know that happened I, I was a student at Memorial mm. so I knew that students some students hit it very well so students were you know normally no, good kids and they were doing um, you know well in school but then for some reason something you know they're not handing in their homework their you know test grades were low I don't know if you remember this but I'd say I need to have a meeting with you in my office yep. the whole- <laughs> and I'd say you know what's going on you know and I never wanted to interfere because I knew that I couldn't solve their problem. But my goal for that meeting was to let them know I knew something was wrong. Let me guide you to somebody that can help you. And I think that was very effective, too. Um, so I think for me, just meeting students as individuals, you know, even at progress report time, taking everybody out into the hallway. I didn't care if kids were flying airplanes. I didn't care in my class, you know, paper airplanes. Because I wanted to meet each student individually, let them know where the grade was and what they could do to improve, you know, see if they had any issues. How could I help? Because I think that's important to meet people as people and not just students, they're people.
0: And and I also feel like you leverage the crap out of like the autonomy that you had within your classroom. Like, I feel like I, I work with a lot of educators now and Th- there's always this big gap around them knowing what autonomy they have within like their actual classroom than the autonomy within their department or within the grade level that they teach or the subject and um, I do have to say that even hearing you reflect on that and I think you were able to identify like what power you had to to um, to customize to have a different approach but the other thing that I want to touch on too was that you always connected to life lessons like like mm-hmm. you're gonna laugh at this I remember one time we had a conversation about the stock market, right? And you probably don't even remember this, but you said one of the stocks to always have is Disney stock. <laughs> so, so when I started buying stocks, like I literally recall the conversation you had with us. I was like, I have to buy Disney. Like because I remember the conversation we had, like, even if I didn't even do any numerical, like, analysis of where's Disney now based on. But I just remember that conversation that we had all the way back in high school where you said you have to buy Disney stock. Is that something that you told all your students like they have to buy Disney stock?
1: No, I never told you to buy Disney stock. I told you that was how I taught you about the stock market. Yes. Knew, you know, they were supposed to be taught in economics, but. I'm sorry, social studies teachers that were teaching economics, they didn't understand the stock market. And I used to get angry that their idea of teaching you how to do the stock market was to watch stocks on a spreadsheet.
0: Yeah.
1: So anyways, um, my goal was to teach you about the whole process. So I, you know, um, in, Octo- in in September of 1987, I bought, my sister had got her stockbroker's license. I bought one share of Disney stock. <laughs> For $80. And then the market tanked. And it went down. um, It it was Black Monday. So it was October 10th, 1987. And the market crashed. And um, the Disney stock went down to $40 a share. And I remember asking my husband at the time, because we had some extra money from selling our houses. I said, I'd really like to buy a a lot, which is 100 shares of Disney stock. And he said, no, we can't can't afford it. (laughs) It's okay, fine. Well, you know, my story was... You know, had I bought the stock that day, I would have made a lot of money because the stock right now, you know, um, it's it actually split. Um, yeah, it s- actually, split a couple of years actually, ago. Right. Yeah, it, it actually split. And I think it was in 1988 or 89. But the the the, the, the stock prices went up to, I think, one hundred and thirty five dollars a share and then it split. So that was like, in, you know, before 19, you know, the early 80s. I mean, the early 90s. But then you know, every time the market crashed, I kept buying Disney stock pretty cheap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now my, goal was to my whole family to Disney when I sell their stock. But my goal was not to have you buy Disney stock, but to <laughs> teach you, you know, how that all happens. So
0: that's yeah. so funny. I can't believe I even remember that. Um, that that's wild. I, so so I so I I do want to touch on this like this whole thing around like your like. It seemed like you never compromised what you thought was the best way to keep us accountable. And so, so sometimes you would do it in the class, like if someone decided to push your button a little bit, like, like. But you never lost control, like of class of the classroom. But, but you really held on towards those principles that you thought it was important. And I think your consistency was really what you know made us respect you. Like at the end of the day, even even if we gave you a hard time, or even if whatever it was, at the end of the day, we knew that like. You, you, you had our back. Right. And I feel like that that's a, that, that's like a critical thing in terms of influencing students to want to um, challenge themselves. So I, I, that's a good segue to, you know, how, how did you manage to get kids to be interested in DECA? Because I I, I, I was involved with DECA. I had an amazing experience with it, but I am curious. So can you please just explain just very quickly what DECA is to my listeners so they understand a little bit of this and how like students who might not even be the best student in your class decide to be involved with this, which took a lot of time.
1: So DECA is an association of marketing students. Actually, it's an international association where students compete first at the state level in New Hampshire um, with students um, in different categories. For instance, do you remember what category you did?
0: I think Maya was like marketing I don't know what exactly what category it was, but
1: there's lots of different categories. There's lots of different projects. So for instance, one of them is the entrepreneurship project where the students actually would create a company and then write a 30 page, you know, report you know, detailing all the aspects of that company. Um, so then they would go to state competition and if they won first or second place, it qualified them to go on to the national competition, which I had many students win at the national level, which was so exciting. Um, but that's what DECA is.
0: Great. That's awesome. Thank, thank you for sharing that. And um, so I got involved with DECA because um, you know, it was something that was present. It, it was like it was like it was always known if you're in a marketing class, you have an option. So the following semester, I got involved with it. And I really, really, really enjoyed that process of having to really dive deeper within a project, working with classmate. Right. And, and coming up with a project and, and making, you know, everything that we were learning, like relevant within how we presented the product and what it was and how we're going to sell it, what the market was. And and. Um, I do have to. I do have to mention this. You know, I'm going to mention this. Uh, we, we when we went and competed, right? We went and competed nationally, and um, uh, not nationally, uh, state. It, it was an incident that happened where um, mm-hmm. you know a little, a little, a little almost fight broke out, but it didn't end up happening. And I, I, and I was I was really impacted by it. I definitely was. I was impacted by it. My friends were impacted by it, and um, and you came alongside us like. You came alongside me, you came alongside my friends, and, you know, we, you, we ended up, like, like, neutralizing the situation, but without you taking our agency away, right? And, and that's the one thing that I want to touch on, like, I feel like, I feel like, like, I, it impacts me, knowing, like, in a positive way, knowing that, like, I had a teacher that had my back when something really bad happened that could have even even gone worse but knowing that you had my back like it just i don't know i'm i'm forever grateful for that miss j um so i'm curious like can you just explain like like to my listener i don't want to tell this story because i don't want it to be from my perspective i want it i want it to be from your perspective like what happened during that convention and and why was it important for you to come alongside uh, me and my and my classmate who were impacted by the incident?
1: Well, I was chaperoning the dance, um, which, you know, I love dancing and I love music and not too many other uh, marketing teachers were there. But um, all of a sudden I just I don't, I didn't see anything happen, but all of a sudden there was chaos and stress. <laughs> yeah. And of course my adrenaline was running and, <laughs> and the, you were so upset. And I just remember I said, and, and I just grabbed you and I said, just come with me. I said, you know, let's figure out what happened. Um, and, you know, from my understanding is you were dancing Dude, and it was a was dance a battle.
0: You <laughs> were what? It was a dance battle. <laughs> yeah, it was a dance battle.
1: You know. Um, so, I, I you you had told me she he you said this kid just came and just picked me up. He said I don't know why it was awful
0: he i was up in the air i was literally up in the air i was doing my th- <laughs> i was doing my thing and you know the little crowd support my classmates are are cheering whatever all the other students are just like oh what's going on and then the next thing you know i'm up in the air this kid just he just gets me up he's about to body slam me and um and uh, luckily, at the time, all my, my my colleagues that were there, you know, there was, some of them were basketball players, football players, like they just boom, they just rushed and just, you know, uh, and, and they wanted they wanted to they wanted to revenge at that moment. You know, it, it was it was awkward and it was and and the other piece to that, too. And, and I don't want this to be like a, a racial thing, but the other pieces to it is that, like, I would say our group was probably the most diverse group that was there at that mm-hmm. at that convention, you know, and and it was. And it was hard to not see like a six, like a six foot seven African-American kid who was one of my friends. And then another, you know, six foot eight, you know, Sudanese boy. It was just like, like, like it Uh it wasn't, (laughs) like it wasn't hard to not see that. So like when things transpired and played out in front of us, like even those, I think there was police officers that came in, like even those who came to try to like try to figure out what was going on, like. The intention was more on us. And I and I just want to appreciate the fact that like you came alongside me and you and you you were able to, you know, I don't know exactly what you said, but you said something that was able to to settle me down. And I think I think we continued like dancing after. And then that was it. Like we nothing else happened after that. And 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 I interacted, not interacted, but I saw the kids. We crossed paths throughout the entire uh conference after the dance, and nothing ever happened. But I think I think that's the thing that's like, it's so critical in, in being able to, to know the people that you, you work with. And I think as as teachers, like it's so important to know your students, right? It's so important to, to know your students because each one of your students, they have their own story and how you come alongside them makes a big impact. And, and I just wanted to say, Ms. Johnson, like I really appreciate, um, what you did that night coming alongside me. And, um, And, and it could have turned out completely differently. I mean, it could have ended up being a big fight, a huge fight, you know, it would have been in the news. Hey, a bunch of people fought and this is what happened, you know, especially in New Hampshire. Like, but, but it didn't. And I, I, and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Well, there was a lot of things that happened that you didn't see after, Um, you know, there was some, uh, see coming, I knew um, Manchester even when I was in high school um, students from Manchester always had a reputation in traveling, um, and, you know, people were afraid of kids from Manchester, and I would be just like, why? Like, you don't know them. How could you be afraid? I'm from Manchester. Why are you afraid, you know? And um, and I just remember this one advisor um, who, uh, one of the six point, you know, six, seven, it was Nate, went um, up. <laughs> <laughs> And he told me, you know, uh, he told me that this kid was really tall and and he came up to him and I said, yeah, he was probably trying to explain the situation had you only listened. Um, So, you know, I remember, again, telling Dr. Kalisky, and I was kind of disappointed that the student who did that to you didn't get sent home. Um, But, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. And it really, that day, I'm going to cry. That day impacted my life as well. And, um, you know, I it just, it, I just loved you guys, you know, and I think that's what was important is I wanted you guys to know that I loved you all and it didn't matter, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Th- thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Miss J. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, 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 um, I, I, you know, I, I, there's so many different moving parts in my life. I'm a very reflective person, like, you know, accumulation of my experiences, what shapes who I am as a person and who I am and how I go about and how I see one another, other people. And, and growing up in a very, um, you know, homogenous space forces you to really be aware of all the different moving parts, even though, you know, your close friends might be diverse, but you, you're still aware of, The perceptions and that are presented that get projected on you. So you always have to navigate a certain way. And and not everybody are aware of that, of of that, right? Regardless if they're part of the majority or the minority or not. But the more attuned you are, the better it informs how you navigate and how you operate. And I think for me, it's like it's always like having dignity, right? Like having dignity around who you are and what shapes you was always like a critical thing. And I think it was passed on from my mom. Like she was always like, you know, regardless of where we were and what we had, what we didn't have, she always had like really positive self-esteem, you know, proclamation to us all the time. Like, you know, and, and I think I, I embody that. And and at times, I've I, you know, I've always had, Opportunity to be able to reflect on a situation that's playing out where I'm like, all right, like this, I might need to say something, because if I don't say something, then I'm completely taking advantage of oh, the narrative that's presented towards who I am or how I look might take over. And I think, you know, in in high school, I I, I had several occasions, you know, that that were very similar to that. But one of the things that I realized was, you know, I, I always had alliances you know, and, and you were one of them, you know, in regarding to what happened at DECA. Another time that happened was actually a memorial where um, it was after a semi. It was after a dance. And there was almost an incident that happened outside because there was a group of kids that were known for saying rich or slur. And I, I asked the kid that one of the, the kid after the dance and I said, hey, you, you know, I've been hearing that you have a problem with, you know, black people. And so the kid was like, you know, he confronted me. And and at that moment, the same crew again. <laughs> Nate, Arjak, they just happened to be there. And, you know, we approached the kid and he called his friends. But I remember Mr. Perrick like, like Mr. Perrick just came through and, and very similar to what you did with Decca, Like, right away, he just took control of the situation. And he said, Deo, Arjuk, just sit here. I'm going to talk. go talk to them. And but the, the the reality is, Ms. J is like that. That doesn't always happen, you know. And 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 I'm sure that if it was other students that, you know, people might not have had relationships with. You know, the narrative might have been, and, and what would have played out might have looked completely different. And so that's why I think it's so important the important of having that those alliances building having alliance with students is so critical because you get to learn a little bit more about who they are beyond just how they're perceived and, and, you know, how they carry themselves externally. So, so part of my, my question to you, it's that, you know, when you think about, you know, the importance of how you've been able to, you know, with the experiences that you had as a teacher showing up and being there for your students and, you know, what were some of the things that like, that were critical to you in order to keep you to keep you energized, to keep you motivated, you know, I'm I'm sure there was times where you were probably maxed out. There's probably times where you you were ready to pull the ticket, like, all right, this is my last year, but you continued on. Like, what what were some of the stuff that kept you like energized and motivated?
1: Now, being in the classroom with the students was always um my favorite place to be. Like I said, my you know the the piece that I love the most is when I could just. You know, as I'm teaching and and doing those lessons, and I would see the kids go. Oh, you know, it's like oh, yeah, I got them, you know. So they they were wowed by the information. Um, I think for me, um, which you know, many people don't see the part of teachers that work um, not in a classroom, but when you have to go home and you work. Um, I loved staying on top of what was happening in business and what was happening in marketing and. You know, the social media was just happening. Um, I, re- I remember the day that I discovered Bitcoin. Mm. And this was probably 10 years ago. And I remember getting up in front, in front of my students. And I said, you guys are not going to believe what I learned last night. This is Bitcoin stuff is going on in the Internet. And, you know, and I'm trying to explain it. And um, and even at that time, you know, I didn't fully understand <laughs> how that was working. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but- Where Bitcoin is now, you know, so for me, it was constantly doing research and updating my materials to reflect what students saw every single day, because I knew if they saw it and I explained it, they would understand it and remember it forever. Um, I I remember one of the first things that I would say to my students, you know, um, I I, I said, you're not going to look at a mall or a store or a magazine the same way, again. Uh, anyway, so for me, um, staying in teaching, um, you know, improving my presentations, including movie clips and, you know, taking boring PowerPoints
0: <laughs> and, and
1: making them exciting. You know, I used to spend a lot of time at home doing that. Um, and uh, so for me, that, that kind of kept me engaged. Just watch, you know, just, doing the research and bringing that new, new relevant information into the students. Um, that, that was what kept me going.
0: No, thank you. And and my, my last question to you, we probably could have spoke forever. Uh, my, my last question to you is um, part of this podcast is about the theme of the podcast is persevere to excel, right? Like you, in order to persevere, you know, sometimes you have to um, endure the different moving parts that comes with, um adversity so um and then the excelling happens e- either during or after right after you're in the other end of you know the different tribulation just disp- presented or the the hardship or the difficult the difficulty and and today in our society especially within you know, the current reality of being quarantined and 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 remote learning and virtual learning and all this stuff sometimes you're in school and then you're not you're what what would like your like your word of advice be to to um to fellow teachers that that are navigating this new territory and and um and are trying to find their grounding, but every time they do, things just change. You know, change it changes on them. Like, what would your advice and a word of encouragement be to them?
1: Um, well, my daughter is a math teacher right now at Oyster River, and um, her and I talk a lot. I also have a niece who is a social studies teacher in Glass and we do talk a lot. Um. I guess, you know, both of them are, they teach the same way I do. They are project-based learn- teachers. Um, but what they're having a difficulty in right now, especially my daughter, Erica, um, she said the kids turn off their videos. So when you can't see the kids and you can't see their expressions, you know, she said it's, it's hard. Um, but she said, you know, they, um, you know, based on, you know, what's happening with social media, sometimes kids will take pictures of them and post them and make fun of them, which is so cruel. Um, so she said, you know, she's okay with that. Um, so at, at this point, I, you know, just continuing the conversations with kids. I know Erica has like an open forum
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, where kids can just come in and they can talk and, and she'll just say, you know, do you have a problem with math? And they said, no, Miss Ms. Cook, we just want to talk to you. Mm. <laughs> And she says, okay, what do you want to talk about? You know? So it's just I think I worry, you know, I I can't wait for kids to go back to school because they, they need that that socialization, they need that that wow factor in a classroom. Um, but until then I, I think you know it's gonna take um, it's gonna take a lot from everybody. I, I think like it takes a village and everybody needs to take part in it, you know, so the families have to come together and make sure you're there. Um, here's a perfect example of what floors me. Erica was um, was listening to a school board meeting in her town, in the town she teaches in, and this doctor got on. She's a medical doctor, and she's a single mother, and she has two kids in middle school. And she says, you know, she leaves them home every day by themselves, and they're struggling. And, um, you know, she has to travel for work and, and Erica said, mom, that's awful. And I said, well, she should be brought up on child abuse because if she's leaving two middle school kids home alone as a doctor with nobody there to guide them through this process, that's wrong. You know, so I think, I think the villages need to get together here, um, so, teachers, I know, I, I know, I teachers that I've talked to. It's been hard. Um, just, just know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, this is temporary, and we're going to get back to normal uh, as normal can be. But um, in the meantime, just keep pushing for those connections because kids need them. I worry for the kids. Well, I do. I, I worry for the kids that come from really bad homes you know, where there's alcoholism and drug abuse and violence. And yeah, I worry for those kids a lot.
0: Well, thank you so much, um, Judy Johnson. It sounds so weird. Me calling you Judy Johnson, that um, being able to come in this podcast and just reflect on your experiences and also reflect on interactions and experiences we had when I was your, your, uh, your student. And Um, I know that you've been, you, part of your new life has been, you know, you're a justice of the peace. So you're always officiating weddings. I was actually at a wedding last, last year, my good friend hung who got married and you officiated, which was amazing. Um, thank you so much for, for making the time to connect. And I hope. I hope our conversation is inspiring for somebody who hears this and um, and, and ho- hopefully it triggers them regarding this whole concept around um, building and designing alliances with your with with your students. But I also want to highlight the thing that you said at the end that that it takes a village. Right. Like the, the, we are more connected through the virtual, but it seems like when push comes to shove, it's a lot harder for that connections to actually come to fruition and at a time like this especially during a crisis this is when we need to come together come alongside each other even more so um miss johnson thank you so much for taking the time to uh to chat with me today
1: oh you're so welcome i enjoyed every moment kingdale every moment
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so much all
1: right